Well, hello, and welcome to the Ada Bible Church Beyond the Weekend podcast, where we debrief each weekend sermon focusing on extra points of connection and what there just wasn't time for in the sermon. I'm your co-host, Amelia Rhodes. I'm our Director of Discipleship Resources, working with the Beyond the Weekend team with our curriculum and content. Joining me today is my regular co-host, Stephen Lewis, our pastor of spiritual formation at Ada Bible Church, helping lead our children, student, young adults, and groups ministries, and Aaron Buer, our senior teaching pastor. Hey, guys. Welcome. How are you? Hey. Good to be here. Yeah. Doing well. Full weekend, sunny day, end of February. Can't complain. That's right. It's great. Well, we're thrilled to have you join us for this episode. Whether you're a regular attender of our church, a visitor, or a listener from afar, we hope it will challenge you to study God's Word and grow in your relationship with Him. And just a reminder, you'll appreciate this podcast the most if you've already heard the weekend sermon. So if you missed it, I encourage you to hit pause, click on the link in the sermon notes for the sermon in the notes on the podcast, and then listen to that before coming back. So before we jump into the sermon, Aaron, you started us out with a tour of your cars. That's right. The history of cars. Mm-hmm. I hear that that got a lot of, you know, chatter in the atrium about everybody's yep. Everybody first was telling car. me what their first car was. Okay. It, was it was really fun to hear those stories. Yep. So I thought it might be fun for us to start, maybe not first car, but favorite car. I think, Aaron, you did not go through all of your cars <laughs> that you've had. No. So what no. might be a favorite one? I mean, my favorite car growing up was one of my dad's cars. He had a, um, I think it was an 86 Buick Grand National, Mm -hmm. which if you are a car person, is kind of a special car. Very fast. I uh, definitely was up over 100 in that thing. Not driving it, but when my dad was, my dad was a race car driver. So that's just another little Mm -hmm. history about my life. Drag racing, that's a big part of our story, so. Wow. Yeah, a lot of fast miles, uh, a lot of mullets, you know, stuff like that. Explain some of the speeding tickets, too, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give us some context there. <laughs> what about you, Stephen? Um, my favorite car that I've ever owned is a 1985 Jeep CJ7. There we go. With a small block Chevy and um, 33-inch tires. So we'd take it off-roading. And uh, that car, when you push the accelerator down fully, you could see the gas gauge go down. Like it. I think it was I'm like eight to twelve miles per gallon. I had a ten mile commute at the time, so it was great, and uh, it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun in that car. That Jeep is why they invented electric cars, right there. Yeah. Right That's there, the yeah. That's so yeah. the actual story behind it. Mine was was one of my grandpa's, and so he worked for Ford and retired oh, cool. from Ford, a Ford plant there in Ohio. And I remember being a kid and riding in his Ford Bronco one. It was mm, red, oh wow. white, mm-hmm. white leather interior. This just was a great car. And I wanted it so bad. But of course, I was a kid. He sold it. It's the one car he regretted selling. Oh, yeah. It would be worth so yeah. much now. And I'm like on the hunt, like someday in my life, I want a Bronco and I want a red and white one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. So it's just fun. And just fun to see the ingenuity of, you know, people as they make things and cars yeah. and how they progress over the years. For sure. Fun gifts. Well, this sermon was titled Faith and Wealth from James 4.13 through 5.6. Stephen, can you give us a quick recap of our points? Yeah, I, I thought this was just a very practical and very uh, strong sermon. We talked first about how if we want to figure out what God wants, that we have to invite him early into the process. And I think that's great insight about how our natural inclination can be to be like, here are all my plans, God, please bless them. And uh, Aaron really challenged us to invite him early. And then to put our hope uh, wisely, that was the mm-hmm. second point. And what do we actually care about? What do we, what do we hope putting our identity or our trust in? Um, and then the third point was do what's right. And that was um, primarily based in uh, these landowners taking advantage of um, some people who didn't really have a say. And um, 
so it's like, what, what does it look like for us to do what's right in our life? And then um, set limits. And uh, the, I think the phrase was like, what are you going to deny yourself this week? Mm-hmm. And um, how that's really, God has given us good, good gifts, but there are times we need to set some limits and deny ourselves. Um, a lot of practical application, a lot of great challenge. In fact, I even had some emails already in the Beyond the Weekend <laughs> devotional oh, yeah. email. People mm-hmm. like, wow, what a great message. Thanks for mm-hmm. the challenge and the encouragement. So a lot mm-hmm. to unpack here. But as always, there are things that you have on your heart and mind that you've studied that don't make it into the sermon. So what this week didn't make the cut that you wish maybe you could have talked about? Oh, yeah, there's a few things. I mean, uh, one, uh, I mean, back to cars. I had more pictures of more cars, <laughs> you know, <laughs> more stories and And sometimes it's like, okay, just, you know, make it more concise. And so uh, I pulled some of that stuff out, Mm -hmm. I think, on uh, Saturday morning. But um, one of the things I wanted to talk about that I didn't, uh, just for the sake of time, was, um, you know, we have this uh, very consumeristic, um, wealthy culture. But actually, the first Christians lived in a culture like that. Mm -hmm. And the Roman culture, especially for its time, was just extravagant in a lot of ways, Um, having... uh, been able to travel and see some of the ruins, like mm-hmm. you see some pretty incredible things. Like uh, there's something in uh, ancient Roman cities called a hypocast system. So they literally could uh, heat their floors. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. had these bathhouses with hot rooms, cold rooms. They had, uh, you know, and all the water they got typically, not every city, but typically was uh, from the mountains uh, through like a pipeline system. And they would do it just perfectly so that, you know, it would come out of the fountain just right. And it's, it's just incredible um, some of the uh, luxuries that they had even in the ancient world. So I left some of that out. It would have been, you know, I'm a history nerd, so it would have been fun to talk about. But I was thinking, yeah. Not everybody would enjoy this. <laughs> time. <laughs> Limited time. I remember when I was in Israel last summer, uh, just – we got to walk through an Agora and just even the things they would say they would sell that were available yeah. to purchase yeah. from mm-hmm. across the world. Yep. I think we forget there was a global society then and just the things that they had access to were really incredible. Totally. I think uh, in my travels, we talked about a little bit earlier about the terrace houses in Ephesus. Yeah. And um, these are in ancient Ephesus, just um, outside of, if you've ever seen a picture of Ephesus, the theater is like the big thing there, mm-hmm. um, just on the hillside. And they, those floors, heated floors, yeah. you know, like bathhouses right in the size of their rooms and the mosaics. It's just like unbelievable. They would be a nice house today, yeah. you know, right. if it was still right. there. Yeah. And then the other crazy thing is um, Masada um, and Southern Israel, yep. which was one of Herod's forts. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about the wine remnant that they found in Masada. And I'm pretty sure they said that the wine they found there was the preferred wine from Rome. And so Herod Mm, had all this preferred wine from Rome brought into southern Israel so that when he was entertaining guests there, they would would not... If there were any wine snobs, they wouldn't look down on him. So he was bringing in the best wine that Italy had to offer. And it's funny, you go to a somewhere right now and you're looking a lot of people buy, still buy Italian wines right. mm-hmm. Herod was importing it into yep. Israel in the first century that's incredible well is there anything else I think you had something from Exodus that you had alluded to in the notes on Tuesday yeah you know uh, in James uh, what where is this in um, James 5 I think this would have been uh, the third point so that would have been uh, do what's that's right, right. Mm. Uh, it's the part where it says, look, the wages you have failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. 
The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And um, that language echoes um, Old Testament language about God's people in Israel. Um, and so I was going to jump over to the book of Exodus. So this is, the, this is Moses in the burning bush. And so God appears to Moses and kind of calls him to be the one who would lead his people out of Israel. And uh, this is what you read in that section. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about mm. their suffering. And so I had this, uh, I guess, a sub-point in my sermon where I really wanted to try to encourage people who um, are in a difficult space, just reminding them uh, from the words from Exodus, uh, he sees, he hears, and he cares, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, we, we were talking about living in a wealthy society, and, you know, we have all this stuff and all this opportunity. But that doesn't mean that some of us aren't going through pretty difficult space, even financially, you know, and I know mm-hmm. that there's people in our congregation that are that are going, uh, you know, what bills do we pay this month and which ones do we put off and, you know, hope don't get sent to collection and, you know, mm-hmm. cars break down and it's like, well, I guess we got to put this on the credit card, you know. So I do understand there's a lot of people that are struggling. And so I, I wanted to uh, just express that encouragement. Um, ended up pulling it out because again, you know, can't talk for an hour. Um, and also I was thinking the next sermon, uh, which we'll talk about probably at the end, has mm-hmm. a little bit more of that encouragement piece to it. And so um, in a sense, just kind of postponing some of those ideas for a weekend. It's a good reminder of the character of God, of how we see him throughout scripture, that he sees, he hears, he cares, he knows, yeah. uh, and he's for you. And that's also a, a Bible study point. You said it sounds like it's an echo of, mm-hmm. and so often the New Testament writers do that. We've talked a lot about you know, you can see in the footnotes, the direct yeah. quotations, but a lot of times yeah. there's allusions or things that sound familiar and chasing that down gives you an even greater picture uh, to not miss that of like, oh, he's yeah. pointing to God's character who the God who saw them in Egypt is the same yeah. God who sees them now. So it's really good. And even with that the Bible study thing, like we talk about resources a few times with commentaries and uh, dictionaries and things like that, but no one has had a resource better than Google. And, <laughs> and for this, and I mean, like... Yeah. Um, you just type in the Lord hears, the Lord sees, and you hit search and it'll show you other places where that concept mm-hmm. is found throughout scripture. And that's, um, you know, we can, we can track all those things we've talked about are very good, but if there's just some real simple ways to do, like just doing that, the Lord hears, well, sh- you know, like I just did it and Psalm 34 came up, you know, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He yeah. rescues them from all mm-hmm. their troubles. He's close to the brokenhearted. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so, like you said, it is a theme throughout scripture. So if you f- find yourself in a theme, a quick Google search will do a lot for you as you kind of track that through yep. scripture. Yep. Yeah, it's a great tip. Yeah. And just uh, to summarize, I think a great question to ask when you're reading the Bible that kind of adds another layer of meaning is like, where else does this show up? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, ask that one question, because most of the time in the New Testament, it's Jewish people writing to Jewish people and they're Jesus followers, but they all have this like back log of information of the old, the old Testament, the Jewish scriptures mm-hmm. that was so central to their lives. And so like you were saying, Amelia, there's just, you know, illusions or even words mm-hmm. that would have taken them to places that we don't naturally go to. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Well, is there anything else you wish you could have spent some time talking about? Um, man, I, you know, there was a question um, in the atrium uh, at Cascade, 
and uh, it was somebody asked me about. Um, well, it was around. I guess it would have been about the first point uh, invite early, which mm-hmm. is you know, uh, essentially, what does God think about this? Or you know, if it is the Lord's will, we will go here and do this or that. And uh, this individual, younger guy, just asking about you know when it comes to dating and relationships and and everything, like, you know, how do you seek God's will mm. uh, for a relationship? And I thought that was a great question, and I and I wanted to answer it, and then somebody else uh, um, jumped in and wanted to talk about something else, and then uh, the person who asked the question disappeared before I could actually answer him. But I thought this w- was like a almost a good case study yeah. for what we mm-hmm. talked about, mm-hmm. and, you know, there was part of me that's like, well, I'm just going to change the ending of that point and answer that question in the 11 o'clock service, but I didn't. Um, but... The, the um, three examples that I gave for how to actually um, ask that question, is this the Lord's will, were uh, scripture, godly people, and prayer. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to something like dating, I mean, I think it really does apply. So, you know, what does scripture say about um, relationships? And there's some good information in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you're not going to find the person's name that you're mm-hmm. thinking about dating in the Bible, you know, um, <laughs> the the whole thing. Even dating as like a practice did not right. exist, uh, mm-hmm. as I understand it, in the scriptures. It was, you know, arranged marriages and stuff. Um, but, you know, what comes to mind is, um, is this person a believer, mm-hmm. you know? Because mm-hmm. um, I think it was Paul. Oh, geez, help me out. That, um, not being unequally oh, yeah, yeah, yoked. Yeah, a weird mm-hmm. image of not being unequally yoked, which means like, you know, when you have yoked oxen it's like you got to work together you got to be a, you know the same size you got to be the same you know which that doesn't apply to dating but um <laughs> it's like the same uh i guess where it would go is both jesus followers yeah. Yeah. and you know uh some of some of you who are listening probably have experienced what a marriage can be like when you have a believer and a non-believer and there's just you know there's not all the shared values that you would hope for and so in advice you know is it god's will for me to pursue this relationship, that would be my first question. Mm-hmm. Is this person uh, a Jesus follower? Are they, you know, growing in their faith? That that's a great way to apply scripture to that. And then again, like if you're thinking about dating somebody, man, ask your parents. You know, if they're mm-hmm. believers, mm-hmm. you know, ask um, godly friends. Ask some people in your life who have a marriage that you look at that marriage and you go, whoa, I would like to have a marriage like that someday. You know, invite them into it. And then of course, pray. You know, mm-hmm. asking God like. Um, you know, I, I, I personally, I probably wouldn't expect like an audible answer there, but just asking God for that guidance mm-hmm. and, you know, give me wisdom, help me to make a good decision here, help me to honor you in this decision. So that's that's kind of how I would go about that. I don't know, maybe you guys have other thoughts there. No, that's really great with some advice. I was talking with a, a college student recently who's just started dating and all of their friends, and it's in a Christian setting, solid Christian friends, and all of their friends on both, you know, his friends and her friends are both like, oh, this is really good and affirming. Mm, People who yeah. know them well yeah. and who mm. love Jesus are affirming and encouraging that. And I'm like, that's a really good sign of people who love you and love Jesus are who know you well are encouraging for that. That kind of godly counsel can be your good peers too. Yeah. It's good. It takes humility. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember, that, I mean, just this is kind of a vulnerable story, but there was this girl I was dating in high school and my dad uh, had the guts to sit me down and just go like, we're not seeing it, mm-hmm. you know? And she was a believer and she was a great girl and I mean, still is a wonderful mm-hmm. woman, but my dad was just like, I don't think it's the right match for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And boy, did I not like hearing that. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and boy, did I wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it was like, okay, this is my dad. I got I to gotta trust him, mm-hmm. you know? I think too, when, whenever we talk about God's will about something, 
Um, the question is always, are we open to it, right? And there are some, it might even be the Puritans where they talk about like being willing to go either way and asking God oh, to give yeah. clear direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like a prayer of indifference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard when all your hormones and emotions mm-hmm. are, you know, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. trying yeah. to move you in one direction or another, um, just like anything. But if you really are seeking after God's will, you have to be able to say, okay, I'm going to be okay if the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really important. And, um, or if the answer is something that I don't really want. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're just hoping God rubber stamps what we want. Right, right. And that's, I do that all the time. I'm <laughs> constantly fighting that. You know, like, God, I yeah. want to know your will yeah. as long as it's what I want. Yep. Um, yeah. There is one thing, uh, for some reason this jumped in my head. There, I had a, a, a friend once who um, got out of their marriage because in their argument was, you know, I don't think God wanted us to get married in the first mm. place. Mm. Um, and and I think that it's it's important uh, to just realize if you marry somebody and you and you make that commitment, you take those vows. I mean, even the context of what we're talking, even if that person wasn't a believer, isn't a believer, or later walked away from the faith, you know, I um, I think again, Scripture has made it clear that marriage is a permanent, mm-hmm. you know, relationship, yeah. and so. Um, I don't think that we should be asking that question about something like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do, yeah. So I don't know. That might just be important to, to bring up. And maybe it's just because that's something that I walked with mm-hmm. somebody through and, and felt like they uh, didn't make the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. There's a woman in the church I grew up in, just a godly woman who loved the Lord with all her heart, and her husband was not a believer and she prayed for him, I don't know, 50, 60 wow. years. Sheesh. And yeah. we all knew and we were all praying with her. And she was such a witness and a testimony. She loved him well and served him well. And mm-hmm. near the end of his life, like in that last year, he came to the Lord. Wow. And like what? Like mm-hmm. I get teary when I think about it. Just the yeah. whole church just celebrated because we had all been for That's her. Incredible. So there are things that God can do and it may take a long time, but um, there's there's an opportunity sometimes. Yeah. So. Yeah, probably the best thing to say about this whole thing is if if you are listening and you're in, now that we opened this door and walked into it, if in, you're in a marriage and it's tough and maybe, you know, faith is a, a issue in the marriage, this whole thing, uh, godly people, mm-hmm. like I would encourage you to reach out to somebody and, and, and talk with a Christian counselor or mm-hmm. one of our pastors about, um, you know how to navigate that mm-hmm. because they these situations are obviously very complicated and um, there's a lot of factors and mm-hmm. so um, it's just good to have good godly wise input when thinking about how to navigate those spaces. And I I would say too you're right that um, we need help, mm-hmm. but the other thing is we can think that our situation is unique to us. Mm. And um, one of the things we've worked hard to do is establish. Uh, a group of mentors who have walked through all different things in life. And so if you're struggling with something like this, it's likely one of our mentors has walked through something Mm -hmm. very similar. And so there's somebody who's kind of been through what you're going through and can help walk you through it um, as well. Such good questions. We love getting questions, whether they're in the atrium or through the podcast forum. And we've we've gotten a couple more questions. I think it would be great if we could uh, chat about. So one of them came in Sunday And they said, during the sermon about not being consumed in a consumer culture, such a great line, 
Aaron, you mentioned that we should put our hope in heavenly things. You said we should invest in God's kingdom and his work here on earth. What does that look like in our daily Mm. lives? How do we shift our hope from earthly things to heavenly things? That's a great question. It is. Yeah, I I saw this question, just had jotted down some notes on it. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it uh, has to do with your point about the greatest commandment. Mm-hmm. which is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And just are you living for for God and his kingdom? Um, so often Jesus talks about his kingdom and putting his kingdom first. And so that's a question. Are we putting ourselves first or are we putting God first? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always mean like giving everything away, but that like what's the direction of our life? Even this passage talks about self-indulgence and getting fat, you know, yeah. and it's using that as all kind of imagery for someone who just lives about them. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's one of the early checks on like, what does it look like in our daily life? Well, is your daily life about you or about what you think God's trying to do? And as I was thinking about that, and we actually even talked about this a little bit on Thursday in the sermon rehearsal, um, how I try to do this, which is very hard, is to spend often my drive into work or even first thing I do when I get up in the morning is, like, God, I'm running through the things I have to do today. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to give those to you. And each of those looks a little bit differently. But then there are a lot of things that are going to come my way that I don't anticipate yep. and help mm-hmm. me to do them the way that you want me to do those as well. Mm-hmm. And just trying to start my day off acknowledging this day isn't about me. It's about God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often talk in women's ministry one of our core curriculums, we go through John 15 and the vine and the branches and how Jesus says to remain in me. And we talk about what does it look like to remain in Jesus in everything, no matter what you're doing, where you are, and just that continual turning your focus and attention to him. And I read something in the past few years, and it was talking about like daily pauses throughout the day, like Mm, even just pausing before going into a meeting or before, you know, entering home from work or on the drive in and just that simple invitation uh, and the prayer that they used was, you know, Lord, I give you everyone and everything Mm. and just turning even that simple, like before I go into this meeting, I give everyone and everything to wow. you. And it has made a big shift in my heart yeah. as opposed to worrying yeah. about it or trying to care and getting mm-hmm. caught up in those details, just remembering that it all belongs to him. That's good. I guess the only thing I would add just where my mind went with this question is um, just a reminder that there, uh, the things, most of the things in this life are good. You know, so mm-hmm. I think when Jesus, Jesus excuse me, says, uh, put your hope in heavily things, that doesn't mean, you know, stop enjoying physical things, stop enjoying this earth. Like, um, I don't think that's it at all. I think it's um, his kingdom first. And a, a question that I think is helpful is like, whose kingdom are you trying to build here? You know, mm-hmm. and if it's about yourself and accumulating and, um, and that sort of thing, then you're probably off track. Um, but if it's about his kingdom, um, then you're probably in good shape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, I don't know, one of the ways I try to think about it is, um, and I just want to caution that we don't just throw everything out thinking like, well, this is now bad. I just got to focus on heaven. You know, mm-hmm. and that's, I don't think that's what that means. Well, that harkens back to the definitions you've given us about what is the world right. that's, you know, opposition to God, whereas God mm-hmm. created the world and said it's very good right. and made it good. And that's a difference between Christianity and many of the world religions. And mm-hmm. they say the physical <laughs> is bad. And God said, no, it's very good. I made it. I created it for you to enjoy, but don't that's make right. it a God. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Don't. Don't bow down to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the difference between a legalism that you can just check off and like the actual 
Christ-likeness, where you're developing the heart and character of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so legalism, we could tell everybody to do like these 15 things, and yeah, that's what it looks like. Don't drink, don't chew, yeah. don't girl with, go, go with, with girls, girls who, who do. do. <laughs> you know, I think smoke's that's, that's in there, That's what too. I learned growing up in... Sorry, right. not helpful. A few other things, drink, dance. <laughs> yeah. Card, I think cards were in there, too. <laughs> Maybe movie theaters for some of us, too, but... um. And those things all had reasons for why there were mm-hmm. why there were rules at a time too. Sure. Yeah, but um, I think Jesus is after uh, uh, an author has written a book called "The Renovation of the Heart," and that's what Jesus. That's is your trying, favorite author, right trying there, to do. Steven. I think so. <laughs> um, Jeff used a phrase from N.T. Wright, though, like a radical reorientation of the heart or something oh, yeah, too. And yeah. so it's not um, not just a you know one person's idea. And Jesus is trying to change us. F- from the inside out. And so while it's important to start with activities, it is also important to develop the heart and character of Jesus. And if that's our goal, then we know we're on, mm-hmm. then we're, yeah. we're building up things yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that are important. If we're like, oh yeah, I'm really trying to develop the heart and character of Jesus by my that's actions good. and yeah, interactions. Well, we had another really great question and it's actually one that we wrestled with on Thursday during yeah. the sermon yep. rehearsal. And this question is, when should we operate good for me, good for them versus bad for me, good for them? Yeah. That, okay. This was, that's right. So, um, so here I was in a coffee shop on like Thursday morning, you know, and I'm, and I'm, uh, typing out a script that I'm going to read to this feedback group in uh, what I like to call the dramatic reading yes. uh, of the sermon. And um, it I, it hit me like ooh good f- good for me, bad for them, and then flip it around you know Jesus bad for me good for them. I was like that. I mean I knew that that line would really uh, work well in mm-hmm. the sermon and, and catch people's attentions and, and stick. But then um, I started to feel maybe it's not entirely accurate, you know. And so we wrestled with that, and I think you guys mm-hmm. actually brought it up too. And so it was a really good conversation. So I mean again just you know, pulling back the curtain. Um, one of the reasons that I do this whole feedback thing is I, I'm not under the assumption that every idea I come up with is, mm-hmm. you know, going to be perfect. And, you know, you got to be careful theologically what you say. And mm-hmm. um, being theologically correct is more important than having a catchy phrase, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, where we landed with this is we inserted the good for me, good for them also uh, with Jesus uh, and the... Um, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, because we wanted to be really careful that we weren't encouraging people to adopt bad for me, uh, good for them in the standpoint of like um, abuse. That would be right. one mm-hmm. example, yeah. you know, and in relationships should be reciprocally healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, I mean, yes, we are called to serve. Yes, we are called uh, to self-sacrifice, but um, we need to do those in appropriate ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, and that, you know, that's something that every person needs to wrestle with and, and be comfortable with and, uh, and that sort of thing. But that, that's just an interesting case study of like how we wrestled through language, wanting mm-hmm. to make sure we were being accurate to the scriptures in the way that we challenged uh, people um, to, to be like Jesus and, you know, to wrestle with this truth from James. Mm-hmm. I have a good counselor friend. We talk a lot about different scenarios and situations, mm-hmm. and she's always, you know, reminding me that healthy relationships are to be reciprocal. Yeah. But there will be seasons where you're going to give more because someone's going through something. But yeah. then in the long scope of a relationship and a situation, it should, they should be able to turn that around yeah. for you. And I think there are different situations when you're caring for aging parents. Mm-hmm. You know, that table turns and you're taking care of them. And yeah. 
it's good. It might be not so great for you, but it's good for them. <laughs> and same with like your kids when yeah. they're very yeah. little. When you have babies, it's a lot of bad for yeah. me. Right. For them. Yeah. No <laughs> sleep. Yeah. Right. Um, so knowing that there's, yeah, take it by situation. And it, it seems like a bad for me, good for them needs to be an intentional decision that you are making and not someone is making for you. Oh, that's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. You know, so if, if, if you feel like you're in a relationship that's all bad for you and good for them, then they're probably putting that on you and you need to yeah. figure out some boundaries and um, some appropriate steps to take to mm-hmm. either create safe distance or something like that. But mm-hmm. I was even thinking about this question. Every time we give money away, it's really a bad for me, good for them situation. And that we are called to that, to you know, sacrifice yep. and a generosity. And But again... We're talking about like temporal language here, like in the mm-hmm. moment, right? Mm-hmm. I'm giving away my money now, but Jesus is helping remind us that bad for me, good for them now when we chose it and we do it appropriately out of a love for Jesus and really for their own good. Because some of those um, like abusive relationships aren't, like it, it might be bad for you, but they might think it's good for them, but it's it's uh, not yeah, either. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not helping them become more like the character and heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but that stuff is all actually good for us in the long run too, right? That's mm-hmm. what Jesus is talking about, storing up treasure. Yeah. Like the yeah. first the question before that is, yeah, when we're generous, we give our time or our, or our money away, like we are storing up treasure. Mm-hmm. And so it it's painful for us maybe, but it's not always bad for us in yeah. the long run mm-hmm. yeah. too. Yeah. It's, when, you're, when your identity is rooted in Christ, when you're, you know, when you, you've, rooted yourself in the right ways in him. I think it does free you up to serve and to sacrifice in ways that are healthy. I think where this can get off track is like you were saying, when your identity is not in that, Mm -hmm. in Christ, when you have your identity rooted in the wrong place, that can lead to a form of bad for me, good for them. That's just not healthy, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I think Jeff has talked about forgiveness with the language of forgiveness costs something. Mm. And even forgiving is like, yeah, I'm willing to pay the debt mm-hmm. of what you did to me. I'll absorb that cost yep. to restore you to our relationship. So there's mm-hmm. a there's an element. Every time we forgive somebody, it's a in some ways bad for me. Like I'm giving up my right to get even. That's right. And it's good <laughs> yeah. for you because I'm not gonna get yeah. even right. anymore. Yeah, yeah. And um that that costs something, but at the same time we just have to be like we can forgive, but we can also set up Appropriate boundaries. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. So many good things we could talk about in this for quite a time, quite some time, and a lot of great mm-hmm. practical applications. There was something that came up in our discussions earlier this week, and that was that didn't make it into the sermon, but I think you referenced it as uh, Pastor Jeff Mannion has written a book called Satisfied. Oh yeah, and so many good points. And I think the does it belong to someone else? You oh yeah, use it yep. comes from mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Just want to point to that as a great resource and that whole concept of setting limits is so challenging, but so good. And we've, we've got a story in our own life that kind of relates to satisfied and all of that. So okay. I mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago that my husband had cancer 10 years ago. And after that, there was a lot of fallout, a lot of change around that same time that he had cancer, Jeff had released satisfied. And we went yeah. through that sermon yeah. series and you talk about just being ripe for God to do something in your life. Mm-hmm. And it had started before that, right? A lifetime of following Jesus and inviting him in so that we were at that season ready. You just face with your mortality in your 30s, just nothing's ever mm. quite the same. Yeah. So as he preached through that content, we just felt God leading us to make a drastic change in our lives and set limits on our lifestyle, mm. knowing that we don't have forever. Wow. And yeah. limits on how we live in our home and 
ended up downsizing. And it was a long process of putting a lot of these things into place, you know, searching scripture, talking with godly counsel, inviting people into, you know, counsel, mm-hmm. inviting mm-hmm. God into the decision. It was two year process. So for eight years, we've kind of lived in this place that's a little bit too small and it's uncomfortable and inconvenient, but there are bigger <laughs> things at stake. And I would say that whole deny yourself, it's probably one of the most challenging things day oh, yeah. in and day out yeah. to just seek God to grow. But I just encourage you to check out that resource and then just know that a lot of this is personal. I think I've heard you say, Stephen, don't compare your gifts or your calling yeah. to someone else. What God calls you to do, it might be different than someone else, mm-hmm. but when you're seeking him and godly counsel, he will. He will make it clear, but it's not going to be easy. <laughs> wow. It's challenging. Thanks for sharing that. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So as we get ready to wrap this up, it's hard to believe that we're on week seven and this yeah. coming week is going to be week eight. The grand finale. The grand finale. Right. It'll at least be the finale. I don't know if it'll be grand. <laughs> we'll see. So as we look to the last week of the sermon series mm-hmm. and then the last for this podcast, for this series, mm-hmm. uh, what do we? Uh, what should we be reading this week as we get ready and prepare our hearts? Yeah, um, so we'll be in James chapter 5, uh, and there's quite a bit in there, and so we're not going to tackle all of it, but I guess the best way I could um, summarize it, well, to answer your question, so read chapter 5. That would be a good way to, mm-hmm. to read ahead and, and be ready, but... Um, Last weekend, we really focused in on these wealthy landowners who were taking advantage of the displaced believers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we talked about was um, James really condemning their behavior. And so we drew out of that some applications for ourselves because we live in a wealthy culture. But next weekend, it's going to be from the other end of things. It's James encouraging the ones who were being oppressed and how to endure and mm-hmm. how to get through this in a way that honors God. And so, um, man, if you're going through, if you're in a tough season right now, like this would this would be a, a weekend to, to dial in because my hope is that there would be some encouragement and some good practices on mm-hmm. how to faithfully endure. Yeah, come bring a friend. Yeah. James 5, lead yep. up to it. Great, thanks. Well, we're looking forward to that, and it's been a great series. And we'll have one last conversation next week around this too. Yeah, so sounds good. Well, thank you for joining us this week. We pray this conversation was helpful and it encourages you to make it real. Just a reminder, you can send in your questions. We love answering those about the sermon. You can go to adabible.info and click on this weekend. And we'll also put a link to that in the show notes. We'll be back next week with our final episode for the Make It Real mm-hmm. series. So if you're enjoying this, share it with your friends. Uh, subscribe to it for one more week and we'll keep you posted on plans for the future. But as we go, just remember that Aaron challenged us to take some practical steps this week to appreciate what God has given through a habit of gratitude, to maybe give away something that you don't use, find the rightful owner, and deny yourself something. Maybe don't buy something or consume something or don't indulge in something that you might normally and see how God shapes your heart through that. So as we go, we pray that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.